0: Hello, I'm Ben Harmon, the director of Stills, a centre for photography based in Edinburgh and a registered charity. You're listening to Photography Down the Line, a series of conversations with artists and photographers that we're in touch with to discuss and share their ideas. To learn more about Stills and to support our work, please visit stills.org. Thank you for listening. Hello, am I speaking to David Brittain? Yeah, hi. Hi. <laughs> hi, David. Thanks for sparing the time to do this. Um, where are you and, and what might I be interrupting with this call?
1: Uh, okay, well, I'm in my loft uh, in my house in Joppa that overlooks um, the first of course, if you If you've got good eyesight and the visibility, <laughs> and the visibility you can see uh, Kocody over there um, uh, interrupting. Um, well, for, for, one of the things I've been doing recently is um, generating different kinds of text for um, a project I've been very lucky to be working on. Really, um, uh, this is um, a series of quite small, uh, but I think uh, certainly important exhibitions for uh, that celebrates the um, photographer's gallery fiftieth um, anniversary. It was founded in uh, January uh, 1971, officially. Um, sometime before I got involved with um, uh, <laughs> photography professionally. But but interestingly, at the time, I was, um I was a schoolboy in Paisley. <laughs> um, uh, not long afterwards, I went to art school and started taking pictures and the people who inspired me to buy this camera, <laughs> whether this is an Olympus, uh, were the people I started to meet when I when I went to London and started writing about this, so Don McCullough, and David Bailey, all those people. If I look through those magazines today and find these adverts for uh, these photographers uh, selling, you know, promoting Olympus cameras, and, and I, I think it's quite funny. I also the I met the got to know the man from Olympus who was the kind of head of the Olympus in, in, um, in the UK mine called Barry Taylor. Uh, and Barry was a marvelous man. He, he helped to uh, fund things that I did at Creative Camera when I was editor there. Uh, and I discovered recently going through the archive of the Photographer's Gallery that Barry was also funding Sue Davis when she started. There were a series of fashion talks and uh, Olympus was behind those, you know, flying people over from the States. So so <laughs> there's an odd um combination of the autobiographical and the um you know the historical if you like uh, going on there.
0: Jane Jane Bone was she famous? used in Olympus trip, didn't she? Did you did you come across her?
1: Or, I did speak to yeah, she was the, one of the sort of uh left field characters at the Observer for a while, Jane Bone. Yep. Yeah. I th- I suppose she did, yeah. Um I mean, Olympus had a lot of goodwill uh, for their cameras because they were nice people, really. I think they were helpful and generous and would get behind people. Mm-hmm. Um, so that that's an odd thing. But um, this exhibition, uh, my involvement with this stuff started about four years ago when I was invited to uh, give a, some kind of proposal um, as to perhaps how um, I may be involved in some way with this uh, 50th anniversary mm. uh, event, which was, of course, scheduled for January this year, January 2021. The idea was to to do something starting in January because that's, that's when the, the gallery opened. That would be yeah. the proper 14th, uh, 1971. So it was supposed to be the 14th, 2021. And of course, that never happened for obvious reasons. Um, but but we're going to go ahead in June with uh, a a, a sort of slightly um, compressed version of what was planned yeah Um, and what uh, eventually happened was I was invited to write a a proposal for this and the proposal was based on a document which is um, it's really the history of the the program the whole 50 years of, of, of exhibitions um, that you can find out on the internet and it's, a, it's quite a remarkable uh, document. Um, my idea was that this document represents the, the public face of a gallery. I mean, the gallery is a very complicated place and it, it's very contentious over the years. Some people, are, you know, think it's a great and some people don't. And, it, you know, it's always been a, whether you like it or not, it's always been a very important thing if you're interested in this particular uh, branch of, uh, of the arts, it's a, it's a massive, a massively important place. So most people engage with it through its exhibitions. I mean, that's, that's how, you know, it's more complex than that. But mm. that's how it is. So given the logic of that, um, I decided to um, write something, or structure something around that, um, that <laughs> programme. So that involved um, tracing themes and and, and looking for convergences and and divergences, and trying in a sense to use it as a map of some description that would, would, would allow most people to think about the gallery, not just as a place that shows expressions of photographs, but as, as, a, as, as something more complex than that, and I, it's an organization which is exposed to different spheres of influence. It's exposed to politics, it's exposed to the market. You look at the print sales room and you look at the books, yeah. there are dynamics there with the market. It's exposed to politics through public funding, um, through regional funding and, and uh, various different kinds. Of, it's exposed to politics through sponsorship Mm. Um, there's all sorts of ways that the, 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 the gallery is is actually more than a gallery. Mm. Um, and and, and uh, it's also, over the years, much more interestingly for most people, probably, over the years it has been a kind of a mirror or a petri dish of some t- description yeah. um, for changes within the, the world of photography. So I'm thinking um, things like the rise of modernism, the eclipse of modernism by postmodern positions and and contestation um, of modernist positions during the 1980s, Um, the diversification uh, of of the audience, the diversification of the roster of exhibitors, the diversification of types of even practices because when it started for the first 10 years most of the practices were 35 millimeter black and white Mm-hmm. And in the, by, by the end of the '80s, there was video, there was installation, sculpture, you know, lots of things, and and so you know that 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 sort of the way that the medium has um, of photography as as a, as a visual art has evolved, yeah, um, in in the public realm, you know, yeah. You can trace so much of it through this program, so that that was that was my fascination with the program, and that's what I thought would be an interesting way of the gallery. I don't know, celebrating, but certainly marking its fiftieth anniversary is through this 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 medium, this document.
0: So much of what you've said there makes me think of the stills archive and exhibition history. Um, the Photographer's Gallery was obviously the first photography gallery in the UK established in 1971 and stills came along in 77. I think Impressions in York at that time was slightly before stills and then side in Newcastle around that time. But um, yeah, likewise here, our, our exhibition history tells a story of the kind of evolution of photography and all the external influences that have been a factor, you know, factors on that. and. Um, yeah it's really fascinating and I'm I'm already thinking we need to come and knock on your door when we approach our 50th birthday <laughs> but have you been working with um an archivist at the photographer's gallery and and what kind of material do they have do they have a you sent me a, a short clip of audio recordings do they have a lot of artist talks and um s- slides presumably documentation of of exhibitions and that kind of thing
1: yeah um yeah was, uh, one of my roles as a as a person using an archive and, and i've done this a few times now uh, generated shows using archives is is to um be um useful to the archivist uh very often you'll find uh, that the archivists can point you to boxes and and, and uh, material without actually themselves really understanding very much about um what's what's in them and how they could be navigated and um, that that's why it's a slow process you you sort of need you need the the enthusiasm of the of the archivist and their their kind of you know torch and their their they're stick in their map yeah. uh, but but as a as a as a person who uses this material um i'm also very useful to the archivist because i can i'm familiar with it what it means in a sense because most archives are you know they're, they're random a random collection of junk mostly um uh that could, you can make sense out of um so the archive so it's been that kind of relationship there's a very helpful um young woman there called eleni who um has got some kind of real perception for this some people are just born with a kind of a, a feel yeah. for it and she's like a detective and uh, all I have to do is kind of say, I'd like you to find this, and she finds it. Uh, so, so it's a two way process. She doesn't know what, what's valuable until mm-hmm. I send her looking. Then she comes back with something I realize it's really very valuable. Mm-hmm. Um, what they have is um, we're looking at two archives at the moment. One is the photographer's gallery and one is the personal archive of Sue Davis. And mm-hmm. um, she, she died in April, 2020 yeah and the family has been very kind because the family has allowed us to look through her personal stuff Mm. which is yeah it's actually quite moving a lot of it there are lots of it's like a you could put together a lovely little documentary there about somebody's life and times in the early formative years of all this stuff Mm. who she met you're going to, there's um, pictures of her with Eugene Smith and Ralph Gibson. Um, you know, all those places like um, Arles and um, Fotokina and all those kind of pilgrimages, places of pilgrimage mm-hmm. at that time. And there's some, it's hugely evocative looking at these things. Um, so there's pictures, there are pictures. So there's a picture of Don McCullen. I, I couldn't believe how he looked at mm-hmm. that point. I mean, he had the big, the big lapels. You know, the big collars and, yeah. the, and the sort of, you know, the, the tank top. <laughs> so, so there's lots of kind of strange stuff like that. Yeah. Um, there are audio tapes, of, as you've mentioned. There's, um, I don't know how, how, how much there is because I've only looked at the 70s and 80s. Yeah. There's tons of stuff, I think. From, I think as the technology gets better, you'll find this more and more and more stuff. Yeah. But from the seventies, you know, people are trying. You know, it's got old, you know, proper old mag tapes that have been transferred and digitised. Yeah, and there's some amazing stuff. There's the Cartier Bresson stuff you talked about, uh, but there's um, there's, there's an interview with um, Eugene Smith, which is incredibly moving. Um, something about the way he talks and the gravity he brings to the smallest thing. It's just very sort of moving. Um, there's interviews with Bryn Campbell, also sort um, of very, very in depth interview with Thurston Hopkins, who worked with Tom Hopkins. Um, he he married Grace um, Robertson, Fife Robertson's daughter. Uh,
0: she sadly died last year, I think, as as well.
1: He was an amazing, amazing Thurston. But the way he talks about getting into picture post, I mean, it's just so evocative. It's just like um. You start to realize as you go through this kind of material just how many worlds have come and gone, yeah. over, mm-hmm. you know, since, uh, you know, Picture Post closed in the late 50s, just mm-hmm. worlds upon worlds have just come and gone. Mm-hmm. And it's, um, you know, this is bigger than photography. This is, you know, this is whole lives and eras and politics and economics. And there's all sorts of things going on here, which um, I find very moving.
0: Mm. and do you do you looking through the material do you feel like do you feel do you feel like we've we ha- we've moved on that much Are things just kind of coming back around one reason i ask is i've been in pre- preparation for speaking to you i've been looking through small copies of creative camera that i that i got hold of and some of the sort of debates and things raging in creative camera in 1976 you know, we're still having today. <laughs> if anything, they were slightly. It seemed like they were slightly further ahead then. You know, talking about the relationship between art and photography, and um, the importance of collecting photography, and even the um, the kind of international breadth they cover in these publications. And somewhere like the Photographers' Gallery would be covering through its its exhibition program. I imagine they were doing sort of ten exhibitions a year or something. Um,
1: Whereas these photographers going, yeah, or, or, nah, yeah. There, there were a lot more than that. It was, really? really? Oh, it was it was like a machine. It was turning it over, incredible. Yeah, stuff. yeah. You only have to look at the uh, the, stuff, the the document on the internet; you'd be surprised. Right. Um, yeah. I I, mean, I I think the attitude to curating was different <laughs> because, it, you know, I mean, Sue Davis was. If nothing if no pragmatic you know she would mm-hmm. she would just get this stuff and it would go in the walls and then be down in the be another one you know it was very right. very right paced and pragmatic yeah um you know um uh, but to answer your question about um uh those t- those debates going round and round, yeah um Yes, to some degree, but I think you have to remember that there are different places um, for these debates. um, Mm. That, um, you know, there was, you know, my my first contact with any kind of discussion in photography, curiously enough, was in an art magazine called Studio International. Mm. And I was an art student at Glasgow, there was a special photography issue um, published in 1975, June 75. With none other than Victor Bergen, uh-huh. um, East by Ian Jeffrey, and, and all those people. Uh, and this was Victor Bergen's essay about uh, theory, uh, with you know, very quite well known now, Walter Benjamin, um, Polk at John Tsukowski and people like that, um, but without naming him. And this was 1975 and it, it, the first time. And then the next time I came across, this was 1982 in thinking photography. So, so there was stuff around. Um, if, you, if, you, if you think about ways of seeing 19, uh, 1972, ways of seeing on television. Yeah. Two ideas in that. One was uh, Walter Benjamin's idea about um, photomechanical reproduction. And the other one was kind of second wave feminists idea about the male gaze. Uh, pe- people are still talking about those. I mean, I, I was teaching undergrads a- until about two years ago. And we would talk, talk about the male gaze, and yeah. we talk about uh, reproduction. And so, so that was 1972. So, so my point is that these ideas um, were not just within photography. In fact, um, uh, you know there were people uh, talking about these outside of photography it's just that photography had its own those photography publications like creative camera had their own particular acts to grind mm. and that's fine because that's what they're there to do but they had a different agenda and that was the let's make it art <laughs> let's yeah. not talk about anything else um, and and uh, you know and and what became what happened in the 80s at least at the photographers gallery was that position was no longer tenable mm. because it came under, in the, inevitably came under fire from people who, who wouldn't have that and said, hang on, how about reproduction? How about the male gaze? How about all of those things that have been floating about for a while that you haven't dealt with a creative camera, or you haven't dealt with the photographer's gallery? Mm. And, and one of the things I find so interesting is to see how under the surface, these things played. I mean, one of the really, um, one of the texts I've been generating is uh, a thing I've called a curator's diary, which will go on the website. The the photographers galleries have managed to get the Neville Brody's company to design everything pro pro bono, including the, the website uh ne- neville brody's been involved as a photographer's galley since 1985 mm. used to just do stuff for nothing mm. if you look through their, their graphics it's Neville Brody from 1985 it's all neville Brody <laughs> uh, and um it's still going to be neville Brody. well it's going to be him and his associates mm. um and um and uh the, 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 those though i kind of lost my where did i start with <laughs> yeah. um
0: yeah graphics so, um the web you're talking about the website and
1: uh, the website okay so so it's all going to be integrated you know i'm sure it'll look fabulous yeah. um but one of the things i want to do with this is kind of um put two two texts in that i've written and uh, they're called curator's diaries and there's one for the 70s and one for the 80s and what what i've tried to do with these is not write a history in fact disavow the possibility of a history of this but try and encourage people to think about um, what they might learn from all of this mm. as a way of approaching an idea of a history perhaps maybe there are some clues and um, what i've tried to do is raise uh, awareness of certain paths for future research. I mean, that's the best I can do really with the time and space. Mm. Um, but what I found very interesting is, 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 is digging and, and discovering how, you know, these kind of things I'm talking about, like the contestation of, 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 of modernism, were playing, you know, through the gallery I was very lucky to get a hold of Martin Cage Smith um, uh, recently to help me write this 1980s version of the Curator's Diary. Martin had so many really interesting insights into being inside the curatorial team at the Photographers' Gallery. When you when you think about um, Sue Davis's reign, really as, as as director and sole programmer was from 71 to 81. That's 10 years to establish a program and all the patterns therein. And um, the first curator from the Photographers' Gallery was Rupert Martin who came along in 1980-ish. And uh, Martin and Alex Noble and quite a few others came along later. What I was interested in was how that dynamic worked. All those different agendas meeting a solid rock of an agenda that had been there for 10 years mm. and, and and that was that was very interesting to see how the program reflected those kind of tensions yeah you know given that the people who were coming in like like martin um were coming in with knowledge of what was kind of going on outside the world of photography he, he walked in off you know he'd come from the Kurtold and one or two people, Alex Noble had come from the VA. and quite a lot of those people just came in with uh, perspectives that were different from Sue Davis's because she was, yeah. you know, she came from the 1960s and knew yeah. everybody from that period. Yeah. And, you know, it was Eugene Smith and it was Kurti Bresson, and it was all of these kinds of things. But, you know, you get these younger people coming in 1980, 81, yeah. 82
0: they you know, they
1: they've got a different completely different set of ideas about things. Yeah, yeah. And in
0: would the photographer's gallery have been on Ramillies Street at this time? No, so
1: moved to Ramilly Street in twenty twelve.
0: Oh right. I didn't oh yes, sorry, I meant I meant um Covent, the Covent Garden, uh, the other it the had other- expanded.
1: It yeah. Had- It expanded sort of next door. It was at eight and it moved to five. It kind of expanded into five. They were talking for years and years and years of just giving up the lease on eight. Yeah. But they got, they managed to buy um, uh, number five. It was a listed building. It was Joshua Reynolds' house. Uh, So it was listed. The staircase was listed. There was a lot of things they couldn't do but they built this print room, which, you know, a lot of people yeah. remember. Yeah. And the print room was a kind of phenomenon because all of a sudden he was the gallery selling. Yes. Not because it was, you know, it was a different agenda. It was because of what would sell. Yeah. And there was, uh, you know, so that was one of the big changes. But yeah. but that was, that was, that held until, you know, 20-something or other, and then he moved.
0: And they and they have a de- yeah dedicated print room now as well, but they um, with these curators coming in and from 1980 onwards was it still one gallery space? What what I love about their current um, premises is that they have these different floors, so they can have different exhibitions running running alongside each other. So you could, in theory, have different you know different curators involved and things going sure. on, but.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That, that that's that's actually the Sue sort of Sue Davis model, yeah. and um, I I would argue that comes from journalism. I mean, she, she wanted to be a journalist at one point in mm-hmm. life. All the people who supported her in the in the in the in the months and years running up to the founding of the gallery
0: yeah. were all
1: journalists. They were all from Magnum. Or they were from newspapers. Um, mm-hmm. David Astor from the Observer and Harry Evans from the Sunday Times. Um, the model, one of the principal models for that gallery, was journalism. You know, the 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 the, um, the, the galleries and the walls were pages. Uh, the 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 content that went on the walls was mostly the stuff that went on pages in journalis- uh, journalism. Journalism, yeah. and so what you had in the eighties was a slight exp- a slight expansion of that um, when they moved into number five. They had a main gallery, uh, was still left in number eight. Yeah. And they had a kind of fragmentation of different galleries. They had three, but there were, you know, one was really not a gallery, it was a corridor. One was <laughs> one um, was a cafe, yeah. if you remember that. Yeah. That was they had
0: exhibitions the... In, in the cafe as well, didn't they? Around the walls. Yeah,
1: yeah, That was called the Tom Hopkins Room, Tom Hopkinson Room, rather grandly, of course, because um, I mean, Martin and Smith is quite funny about this he said that you know it was really hard to get around the kind of the tables to see the pictures um, but theoretically that was a gallery you know it just so happened to be filled with people having coffee yeah um, <laughs> and you had to shimmy around to look at the walls um but uh, that that idea uh, held of um, different spaces yeah. doing kind of... You know, you could say we kind of prefigured um, uh, that Bart's idea of uh, cruising, cruising pages. Yeah. You know, where you, where you go one to one gallery, you go to another, and you go to a third, and somewhere in your head you put them all together yeah. and you get a kind of semiotic experience of looking. But that's a journalistic one too, because you look through different sections of a magazine. Like mm. that's how <clears throat> I've tended to think of it.
0: Mm. Did that allow, I mean, perhaps one of the dangers of doing that is that you never, something isn't um, sort of up for long enough for there to be, you know, really sort of thorough um, uh, kind of conversation around the work on display. Do you think, do you think that's something that kind of got left out
1: or? At what point? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I, I think they probably do a good job now of that, but um, but certainly during the early days, I mean, there was it was crazy because everything changed so quickly. It was a yeah. really, yeah, it was a really quick turnover program. Yeah, I mean, I don't think there was much opportunity for immersion. Um, the gallery was always, I mean, Sue Davis was very pr- pragmatic, and um, she had to, um, she was very clever about how she mixed her economy there. You know, she had, from a very early time, she was selling books and posters, then they were selling prints. Prints didn't really take off until the uh, the 1980s, um, because the market never really felt confident in photography until at least then. Yeah. And... Um, but you know, by the by the mid '80s, at least, you know, that was a really key moment. Things were really beginning to change uh, the gallery there, mm. and um, there was you know there was money coming in from the bookshop. There was money coming in from the print room. So the bookshop took up um, quite a chunk of number eight, the gallery number eight. Mm. The um, the cafe obviously took off. It took up a huge chunk of uh, num- number number five's gallery space um and uh, the print room was a gallery unto itself which was uh, dedicated to really market forces mm. so, so if you think about the spaces available they're all compromised in some way by the need to make money you know bombs on seats you know it's cafe it's print sales and it's book sales the actual um exhibition spaces were kind of shoehorned in around these things i mean that's that's just happened to be a model but, you know that was a model that art galleries had to adopt eventually. But I think they were ahead of the game at the photographers' gallery because they never had the they never had the legitimation or the the state funding of proper art galleries. Mm. You know, still don't have that. Mm. Um, it was always a kind of running up to catch, catch up on what already existed. Yeah. Kind of operation. And the only way to survive was to be quite ruthless about exploiting Uh, commercial opportunities so if you if you think about the the relationship between the spaces and uh, the commercial opportunities you know it's quite an interesting way of thinking about how it operates
0: yeah yeah absolutely yeah it's really it's really interesting to hear you talk about that because I I remember probably started visiting in the early 1990s but I remember you know I, I took so much away from the photographer's gallery program at that time and I didn't really uh, you know the the fact that I was looking at work on the walls in a busy cafe or that the large part of the main gallery was taken up with the bookshop it didn't seem to um, uh, yeah it didn't seem to sort, sort of change, change my experience of so I feel like I came away having seen a really really well organized exhibition and really interesting work um, and the curator's diary that you mentioned is that from um, Sue Davis's uh no dic- dictated because she would dictate letters to be typed up the next day
1: and yeah, dictated letters no this is actually more my my notes um it's mm-hmm. more like uh um if, if you think of um well i've generated so many texts around this stuff there's wall text the caption text, yeah. there's text for the there's text for the kind of publicity text um there'll be text for the website um the text I wanted to write, um, I didn't really know what to call it and what to write, but mm. what I wanted was something that underwrote or, or gave more of a shading to the other text. Because mm. the other texts are quite short and cond- they condense, they condense everything. Mm. You, know, you know, these wall texts are like you, you, you write these wall texts. They take very complex ideas and themes and kind of plot them down. Yeah. I don't mind doing that. I spent a lot of time in kind of magazines and newspapers doing stuff like that, just mm. potting down, you know, I used to, for a while I worked at the Daily Mirror, potting down horoscopes It used to come in at <laughs> about 10,000 words, and then there had to be about 300. <laughs> <laughs> they used to love it. Um, so so a lot of those things were were potting down text. And what yeah. I wanted to do was give a, a sort of, um, a, a much more nuanced um sense of the context that that, that uh, of some of those ideas yeah. and so what these uh, diaries are are just a way of looking at the 1970s and a way of looking a uh, looking at the program of the 70s and a way of looking at the program of the 80s and suggesting um um continuities and suggesting where these th- ruptures happen and how they happen and suggesting uh, to, I mean, so I use the word suggest a lot because, um, you know, it's not a history. It was never, never meant to be a history. History is not about suggesting. It's about proving. <laughs> you can't prove. Some of this stuff I can, I, can, I can sort of refer to minutes or reports.
0: Yeah. Uh, and
1: some of it I have to infer and I use words like it could be suggested, it may be interpreted, it could be understood, because so much of this is nuanced. And what I want to do is bring in uh, more like the patterns, give give some kind of words to the patterns that you detect in this document. Mm. Um, Why is it that there's so much reportage? Why could it be that Sue Davis, it was because Sue Davis's closest allies were journalists? Could it be that one of our biggest supporters was John Hilton and John Hilton was Magnum's agent in London? Could it be that's the reason why there are so many Magnum photographers? There are lots of kind of things I want to sort of suggest were going on. Yeah. Um, And I also want to be sympathetic to some of the stresses and strains the organisation was under. Um, Without being boring about it, I hope it's not boring. Because, no, you, know, a lot of, yeah. you know a lot of people kind of find this kind of stuff quite boring but I try to be as universal as possible about it because even though it's the photographer's gallery it's about something bigger than that it's about yeah.
0: Yeah. you know
1: stills came out of that impulse
0: yeah
1: and you know so did um the same year actually the Open Eye in Liverpool of course yeah you know yeah. um and, and lots of you know camera work came out of another impulse. That was seventy five. You know, mm-hmm. and um, you, you you look at, at these kind of organisations, and um, you know you know it, it's it's they're all in some sense in the same game. You know. Yeah. Yeah. But the game is bigger than the organisations because it involves politics through public funding. You know, when Thatcher the Thatcher government came in power. So much changed in terms of public funding for these organisations. There's no way you can escape from these things either.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, and again, yeah, thinking about so much of the the Stills archive and the exhibition history that kind of, you know, sort of paints that picture as well. Um, And uh, um, I wanted to ask you, we're running out of time a little bit. And by the way, sorry if the stills bell is going off in the background. That's just we're opening, just about to open and things are getting busy here. Um, oh, gosh, lots to ask you. But I did want to ask about Creative Camera and well, your involvement in photography uh, publications and publishing and sort of how, how that came about. And um, I suppose you're coming across, uh, that's really helping you, um, what you have to offer in terms of a, a different perspective on the photographer's gallery archive, as well, that you're coming from that point of view, where you you probably saw a lot of these things happening from a slightly different um, angle. Um, how did you how did you sort of end up getting into the publishing side of things? And um, was was, was, creative. was creative camera the first step into that
1: for you? No, no. Um, well. I used to, a friend of mine used to work in the bookshop of the, of the photographer's guy and a school friend. And um, when I started to go around there in 78, 79, I realized there was a world of publications there. I never looked at the stuff in the wall. It wasn't interesting. It was mm-hmm. the stuff in books that was interesting.
0: Mm. Uh,
1: because books, well, you know this, books put things to work in a certain way. They put pictures to work and they they very quickly encapsulate ideas and that are much bigger than the the form, the perfect forms of the pictures. And um, it was out of that, I became very interested in publications. Um, So the Photographer's Gallery, that was its main um, influence on me. I got interested, um, my first job was as deputy features editor of the Amateur Photographer. In 1980, <laughs> um, that was uh, that was like my first big job. I'd never been, I'd just been peddling about doing crazy things. I used to work with a guy, um, there was a bunch of people who were alternative journalists. who so used to have an office in uh, Blenheim Crescent, just off Portobello Road. And my mentor was a guy called John May. And John used to um, produce his own magazines. They produced an animal liberation magazine called The Beast. Mm-hmm. Uh, for which I wrote um, a, a, a review of an, an art show at the ICA at the time. And also John Berger, um, programme called Parting Shots from Animals. I did a review of that. So I I started writing as a freelance for the NME and people like that. That was where it started. I came out of art school and what I really wanted to do was write about pictures. Mm-hmm. And I managed to kind of put the two together. Well, I started writing for the amateur photographer and that was, that was an education. I mean, I, I, I was, all the books, all the review books came to me. Mm-hmm. I went to all the, that's when I started going to the photographer's gallery as a reviewer. Mm-hmm. And I knew people there anyway. Um, and so, you know, I got an insight into the politics and all the stuff that was going on by doing that. Mm-hmm. Got to know Sue Davis um, who, who wasn't too keen on me really. I was just a young pain in the arse for her. I think <laughs> she, she was, you know, in her forties, and I was in my mid twenties. What did I know? Mm. Um, so, so you know, the the, the, the the then I, I mean, I worked for like. I wrote for tons of things. I mean, I, I used to write for there's a thing called the COI, the Central Office of Information, which was a government thing. And from time to time, they wanted something about Bill Brandt or something like that. And I used to do stuff for them. I used to write for American Photographer. I went to see them in New York, and they want they used to ask me to do news items. Um, I worked for the Sunday Times and special issues of photography. Just everybody, everybody, yeah, you know. And through that through that experience, I got multiple um, perspectives. You know, you know, I, I've interviewed people in Sotheby's and Christie's. I interviewed you know everybody and everything. It was it wasn't just photography. It was the entire empire. Yeah, I've talked to Barry Lane about the politics of uh, funding. Talked to Philippe Garner at Sotheby's about the politics of, you know, the market talk to somebody about advertising photography talk about art direction talk to art directors talk to someone at Saatchi and satchi and there's a guy up here i interviewed him i can't remember his name you probably know him i scottish guy he was down in london right uh, but he was working for Saatchi and Saatchi and he did a, he edited a book about their um uh, social um, campaigns but just just loads of perspectives uh, and, and and i consider myself you know i don't think i you know the industry i'm interested in is 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 kind of i don't know media it's mediation i mean that, that's what i've been doing it's not way it happened to be photography but mm. you know um you know it could have, it could have been film. i was i was just as interested in film as photography yeah one time i was very interested in editing sight and sound but unfortunately it didn't work out (laughs) you know i'm just interested in 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 ideas and um learning learning things and doing things with it all
0: and i know from um there's some information on the manchester metropolitan university website some of your past publications. So I know you've written, oh, yeah.
1: you you've still on, there. yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like the, like, like the nearest. Yeah. I know yeah. you're
0: interested in, you know, Paolozzi and um, you've published on uh, William S. Burroughs and stuff like that. Does a lot of it come from the sort of counterculture and the sort of explosion of ideas in the 1960s and all of that. Is that where a lot of your is that a starting point for a lot of the things you you became interested in? Everything that was going on in sort of culture at that time, I suppose.
1: Uh, it, it, possibly. Uh, <laughs> possibly. I, I used. I, I, I mentioned my uh, my mentor, John May, and John, yeah. John was John, John's somewhat older than me, but John always had this idea of generalism. generalism you know, being a generalist. Like, um, I think it was his, his heroes were the encyclopedias, like Diderot, and. Um, I just hear this idea about generalism and the virtues of generalism. And um uh, that that may be closer to it. I'm, I'm quite interested in things connecting um yeah. in in strange ways, uh, but but maybe that's a 19 a 1960s idea, generalism. Mm-hmm.
0: Um we're sort of running out of time a bit. It's been brilliant to talk to you and I really we should organize love to organize something at stills you know a talk or perhaps when you're through the the busy spell of the work you're doing for the photographers gallery and could yeah present a a talk that'd be great um but um one thing I've been asking people is actually I I did want to ask how you first came across stills and if you've been visiting stills for a long time if you if you knew it in the 1980s or
1: yes I knew stills in the 80s um How did I come across it? Well, uh, one, one of the things, one of the crazy ideas I had when I was working at the Amateur Photographer was to go and uh, do a profile of every one of those photography uh, galleries. Yeah. Uh, and that's when I, it was Lindsay Stewart was working at, at the time, who later went to work at Christie's, um, And um, I was... Uh, uh, that's when I first encountered it, yeah. so that would have been about eighty four, I suppose. I, um, yeah,
0: it would have been on the high
1: street. up Yeah. Up there. Uh, yes, it was. I got married there as well. My my partner, <laughs> I got married in in, in that what's still. Who was there at the time? Um, it was seventy. It was 90, 1990 We got married. Um, so that would have been. It was just after Murray's time whoever yeah. was there after that um, so uh, yeah it was it was it was an, a lovely little uh, it was a lovely gallery there
0: yeah yeah and the other thing I've been asking people is um sort recommendations of, of, of things to kind of watch or read or listen to yeah. that you might have been looking at. and you, I expect you have quite a lot but if you have any
1: well, okay. Um, I, I got interested in things that have been recovered. Um, there's a book, by a reasonably recent book of photographs and text called Memory uh, by Bernadette Meyer, okay. and it, it's based on a conceptual project she did about 1970. And it it's been republished and it's brilliant. It's it's a kind of impossible thing. It's a failure, but that's why it's that's why it's so interesting that someone would. Um, Go to all the trouble of producing a failure. Um, there's another book by Stephen Watts called Republic of Birds, Republic of Dogs. Um, and it's again, it's a, it's a recovery. It's a book that was written and then it was um, lost and then it was refound and it's just been republished. And there's a film by a guy I know who made it called Hugh Wall. H u w w e h l Hugh Wall, who's the son of a, a colleague of mine from Manchester Metropolitan, um, and uh, those those two books are really wonderful. I'm listening to a lot of um, kind of experimental music, Ryuji Sakamoto. Oh yeah. Um, Sarah Devachi, and then. I love it. improvised jazz. as a musician called Jimmy Saft and um, Avashai Cohen. There's just a load of load of stuff I could, you know, but a, a lot of a lot of the stuff I'm be- become interested in is is the sound stuff because yeah. I'm doing a lot of walking long walks and I'm listening yeah. to very intense kind of experimental sound stuff.
0: Yeah. Yeah, great, thank you. I'll list those in, uh, in the episode notes. It's always good to to, to have those. Um, if there's
1: anything more you need, just get in touch.
0: Yeah, thanks. Well, thanks so much for your time, David. I really appreciate it. Um, and like I said, it'd be brilliant to, I'll, I'll get in touch at a future date. It'd be really good to organise something with you to get you to come and give a give a talk. And yeah, we'll keep in touch that way. Okay. Um, Thanks, Ben. Yeah. Thanks again, and hope to see you soon. Okay. Cheers. Bye. Bye. Bye.